0: You know, I have to admit, I love technology. I really do. I I love looking at the new things that come out. I love trying the new things. And I like the ideas that humans come up with for every conceivable thing. But sometimes we can get too hung up on the geeky side of things, worrying about what product might be better or might have an extra option that the other one doesn't have, rather than just getting out there and doing what we want to do to begin with. Let's face it, if you're into adventure riding, the best thing you can do is spend time riding that bike. I remember watching a video about an old-time biker who used to own a shop, and uh, the story he told was about uh, some young guy that came in and said, you know, he's got so much money to spend, I don't know, it was $150 or something like this, and he said he wanted to get these ultra-lightweight sprockets to make himself faster. He was, a, he was trying to be a dirt racer. And the guy looked at him and said, the best thing you can do with that money is go buy fuel. Because $150 in fuel will give you more advantage than those sprockets ever will. And I think that's really important to keep in mind when we're looking at our toys for our adventure bikes. Really, you got to get out there, you got to ride. Just ride. Hello there, listeners. My name is Austin Vince. I'm speaking to you from London, England, and this is Adventure Rider Radio. You're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. On this episode of Adventure Rider Radio, we're talking tech. We're gonna look at some options for soft panniers, discuss a waterproofing system that works no matter what bags you have. We're gonna talk about how to keep track of your wheel bearing temperature without a thermometer and why you should even care. And as an added bonus, I'm giving away my own personal secret on how to make the best earbuds ever. I'm biased, of course. I'm Jim Martin. Stay with us. Ah, the great outdoors. It's been a source of high-quality fun for generations. Unfortunately, it may not always be this way in generations to come. Irresponsible outdoor activities like driving off of designated trails or mud bogging on public land can severely damage the beautiful places we play in. At Tread Lightly, we encourage you to have fun and conserve our environment by following three easy guidelines. First, always stay on designated trails. Second, be sure to cross streams only at places where the trail intersects the stream. Third, wash your vehicle after each ride to avoid spreading noxious weeds. Learn more about Tread Lightly and its training program called Tread Trainer by going to treadlightly.org. And remember, the impression you leave lasts a lifetime. We're going to talk about soft luggage here or soft panniers for adventure motorcycles. And we won't get into the the huge debate that reigns on and on about whether soft bags or hard bags are better. In other words, aluminum panniers or whether the, they soft, any sort of soft bag is better because it depends on what your needs are. If you need security in particular, there's nothing going to beat a hard pannier, especially an aluminum pannier that you can lock up. But we won't get into discussing that other than the reasons that people choose one or the other or the advantages of one over the other. Yesterday, I just arrived back from a multi-day trip, uh, loaded with camping gear, riding with a pillion, a passenger, and uh, I was glad I chose the soft bags because the paved roads turned to gravel roads, which is expected for, for my adventures. The gravel roads quickly deteriorated from there on to even rougher roads, and a lot of the roads have been washed out. We've been having these torrential rains in this area of, uh, of Bancroft, Ontario lately, and um, some of the roads, you top a hill, and as you go down the other side, you realize that most of it's washed out, or all of it's washed out. And one particular hill we were going up, the ruts just got worse and worse and then there was a big rock in the middle of the rut. As I went out to go around the rock, um, the bike slipped out and then went down hard on the left-hand side. So after checking to make sure my passenger was okay, which is my wife in this case, and everything was fine, I had a quick look over the bike and everything looked to be okay and the uh, the bags uh, had taken most of the impact, it landed and of course the the uh, hand guard on the handlebar had also hit. I checked my shifter, which is my main concern falling on the left side and had a quick look over everything else, fired the bike up and rode up the hill. And afterwards, when I was looking at the bags, I'm always impressed with these soft bags, how they manage to absorb impact. If that was a hard pannier, no doubt it would have dented because it landed on some gravel and, and, a, and a rock that was there. And it would have dented and caused some damage to it. Even if it was superficial, even if it was just cosmetic, it certainly would have showed some results of being dropped. There would have been no mistaking that. But with the soft bags, it, it totally goes unnoticed. The only thing I found with, because of the way I had these bags on in particular, I hadn't finished making my mounting system for them. So I put some zip ties on on the hold downs and it popped the zip ties off. So which I just put new zip ties in and off I was and everything was fine. On the back, I have the, the Wolfman Expedition bag, uh, the original one, which is the smaller version. I know they have a larger version now. On the front are the arrow stitch tank bags or tank panniers they call them. The impressive part is is these these uh, soft bags are so tough. They take hits again and again when the bike has been dropped both sides multiple many many times through different things that have happened and they always come out fine. They they really take a lot of impact and and show no signs of it at all. And on top of that, when they take the impact, unlike a hard pannier, which will transmit the impact right to the subframe, these things absorb it like a shock absorber on the outside with your clothing or whatever it is in your bag, taking part of that initial fall. So that's a great thing. That's a great protection for your bike or added protection for your bike as it falls down. And I mean, if you're doing any sort of adventure riding, any sort of riding uh, in dirt, you're going to drop it eventually. And if you haven't, you will. I mean, the riders that uh, that are doing this all the time, that do it for a living. They're dropping their bikes and they're they're quick to admit it as well. So it's that's a part of it. You've got to expect that you're going to do it and there's no sense worrying about it. But you want to make sure that the system that you're using is able to withstand or cope with what you're doing to it. So now don't get me wrong now. I'm not saying hard panniers are, are no good. I'm just saying that this is one of the great things about soft bags this is the the real advantage and when you have the soft bags and you do drop the bike that's when you appreciate it let's go to the studio to the motorcycle and i'm just going to run you through an at least an audio explanation of what the bags are, are set up like on this particular bike So I'm standing beside a uh, F800GS with the Wolfman saddlebags in the back, the Expedition saddlebags. Um, these are in black, not that it matters, but they're the, the smaller ones now. I know they have a bigger one out, but this is the uh, the original Expedition ones. They've got a top clip that you can undo here. And then they um, have two side clips, and then it unrolls. And um, basically what this is, is just like a big dry bag. If you've ever been kayaking or canoeing, dry bags are often used for that sort of thing. And and this big dry bag is like a tall, uh, very heavy duty vinyl material, but very durable. It it obviously has something in between it. You can see a grain in the, the fabric. But what you do is you have this long top and you close it up and you make a fold at the top. There's one fold, there's another fold, and you fold it down repeatedly, making the thing, the bag watertight. And basically you can see the air puff up in this bag when you're doing it. And then you put on the snap on the side and then the other snap on the back. And then you have this strap that goes across the top through the D-ring here and then snaps back up again and then you, you draw that down. This is a really solid setup. It's lightweight, if there's nothing in it, you can squish them down to nothing. These ones in particular have been through a lot of abuse. They've been dropped many, many times. They're taking the full weight of the bike, as the bike slams down, they've withstood everything. Also, on these bags, there's these uh, a bunch of loops on it. There's a, a couple of big buckles and straps around it. It hooks on with some D-rings onto the bike, or whatever frame you happen to, to use for it. This one happens to be a custom-made frame. These various loops on it allow you to put other pouches on it, and in this particular case there's two extra pouches on it that can hold a liter can of uh, fuel, each one of them. There's one on either side of the bike, so there's, there's four liters of fuel or water or whatever else you want it to, to haul on it. They can be hauled on the outside of the bag, clipped to the outside of the bag, and you can clip various other things to the outside of the bag as well, providing you don't get too uh, Um, much weight on there. But very, very durable bags. And the great thing about it is they've got a lot of give to them. So when the bike goes down, instead of like an aluminum pannier, which will dent heavily, you know, or scratch or grate on the ground, these tend to absorb a lot of impact and slow it down rather than taking that hard hit to the, the pack itself. But that also transfers into the subframe. So um, when you've got a, a hard pannier, when you hit that solid hit is, is transmitted right through the hard pannier, right into the subframe. That's all obviously not good for the bike. I'm not arguing whether one's better than the other. The big thing that these do not have is security. Uh, you can lock them up all you want, put a little lock on it or you know whatever. Somebody can just come up with a knife and slice it through and, and then take out the contents. They can be removed from the bike quite easily and, uh, and taken with you if you're staying in a hotel or, or if you want to you know take it with you somewhere. Downside is, you don't have near the storage. These things, I, I forget how many liters and I will check for that uh, to see how many liters they are, but not a huge amount of storage. They definitely are waterproof. That's something that's just so important. You've got to be able to, get to uh, depend on things, but even though these are waterproof, they could fail at any time. All it takes is the right hit, the right branch to poke into it, whatever the case is. That's why you should always have a backup of um, bags, garbage bags, just have a little roll of garbage bags, roll them up, put an elastic band around them and shove them into one of your packs, into your tank bag or something. And you've got a backup. That way, if the, the bag was ever penetrated for any reason, you can put a liner in there and the liner will make it sealed again, just like an inner tube seals in the tire, making it completely watertight again. So you're never stuck with it. And hard panniers, you can run into the same Thing with it too because um, all you have to do is dent the side of one of those and you may have a gasket that isn't contacting anymore and then you're into uh, the same situation It's very easy to do with almost any pack by using plastic bags as liners and putting the pack on the outside. Never put the plastic bag around the outside of the bag because that's leaving your waterproofing on the outside where it's the most vulnerable and any plastic bag you use on the outside is obviously easily damaged. Put it on the inside however and you've got yourself a really good container there. You've got a durable outside container and you've got something waterproof, a waterproof membrane on the inside. What we used to do with sleeping bags is um, we would take the sleeping bag out of the stuff sack, then put in two garbage bags, then put your sleeping bag inside the innermost garbage bag, squish the air out of it and wind it up, close up the bag, do the same thing with the next bag, and then close up the outer shell, which is your, your sleeping bag stuff sack. You've now got a very waterproof and yet durable system for keeping your sleeping bag dry. So that can be used. You don't necessarily need to have waterproof bags but uh, it is an asset. You've probably read it on the forums or heard someone talking about it or maybe even spoke to someone yourself about those catastrophic failures that seem to come out of nowhere bam the wheel bearing failed and the bike careened off the road and created such a major problem including destroying the hub well sometimes that's unavoidable but other times we can do things to mitigate problems on our motorcycles I'm going to give you a tip in a few minutes on how to monitor the condition of things like your wheel bearings, your, even your tires, your brake calipers, and other things on your motorcycle as you ride. But first I want to tell you the number one thing I think you should do with your motorcycle to be more aware of what's going on with it is ride it as much as possible. Even if you're going for a short jaunt down to the corner store, ride it, try and ride the thing every day, ride it slow, ride it fast, do all the different conditions, I think it's so important to know what your bike sounds like in the heat, what it sounds like in the cold, what it feels like, what, what it feels like over rough road and what it feels like over smooth road and high speeds and low speeds. All of those different conditions help give you a baseline of the operation of your motorcycle so that when something changes, for instance, you were riding along one day and you notice that your hands are, are vibrating much more than normally or your feet are going numb and you're thinking, wow, what's up with that? Well, if it's a thumper, it's a good possibility that maybe you've got a loose motor mount. So it gives you these indicators, they're the baseline rather, to draw indicators from where you can start looking for problems. And that's mitigating problems. That's getting problems before they actually become a serious problem. So something that you can fix or plan to fix um, at a convenient time rather than finding yourself on the side of the road or worse. Now, wheel bearings on our motorcycles take an incredible amount of abuse. They are getting pushed through water and they're getting uh, all the road debris is flying up at them on a regular basis, assaulting the seals that are just on the outside of the bearings. And to be honest, when you look at a wheel bearing on a motorcycle, you can look at it. it, It's not that well-made. You know, these seals aren't amazing, which really surprises me. I would have expected they would have designed something much better by now, but they're not all that well-made and often the seals themselves are actually exposed. There's not even a, um, a ring over the top of the seal to... To give some sort of protection, at least from projectiles or, or high-pressure streams of water when you might go through a, a puddle on the highway. So the bearings are very susceptible, and I'm sure most of us have had wheel bearing failures or had to have wheel bearings replaced. Some vehicles are worse than others. There are certain models of motorcycles that seem to go through wheel bearings very quickly. But what's important with these things is to monitor the temperature, and here's why. Because temperature tells you about friction. So when a wheel bearing operates, it spins around. It should run relatively cool. There's a certain amount of heat built up from the friction of the balls rolling around in the races. That heat is dissipated out to the hub and to the axle, and then dissipate it into the air by the spinning wheel, or even through the metal of your forks. But when the bearing starts to wear, it gets increased friction, rougher surfaces. And the rougher it gets, the worse it gets, because the surfaces now grind each other off, and that pace, that grindy pace now lays in the bearings and in the races and grinds it even worse. So it becomes its own worst enemy and it gets worse and worse. But when it does this, the temperature increases because the friction itself has increased. And that's, what's going to give you the indicator that there's a problem. So all you have to do with your motorcycle is simply walk around it once in a while. When you stop somewhere, Especially after you've ridden for a couple of hours and you pull over and you stop, you take your finger, you touch the hub where the bearings are, you put your finger right in there, just barely touch it, maybe touch it very lightly at first to make sure you're not going to stick your finger onto something that's very hot. A light touch with your finger will give you an idea of the temperature. After you've done this a bunch of times, you're going to develop a baseline of temperature feeling for your bearings. So you'll know exactly what they feel like. And if one day you pull over and you find that your front wheel bearing seems really hot, you might say, whoa, what's going on here? Do I have a problem? Or perhaps you've been using the brakes heavily coming down a mountain road. It helps you understand what's going on and think through a problem before it ends up becoming a huge problem. So you can do the same thing with anything on your motorcycle that's moving. You can even do it with parts of the engine if you just tap it uh, with the end of your finger and and feel the temperature. But especially wheel bearings, brake calipers are another thing. Brake calipers will heat up. Now, you have to be careful. All this stuff will get hot. If you put your finger on the brake rotor, for instance, you're going to fry your finger most likely if you've stopped very hard they will heat up to an extremely high temperature under heavy brake. And if you pull over right away and then check your brake rotor temperature, you're going to find that it's very, very high. So you want to avoid that and take that into consideration as you're checking your temperatures. But it's building the baseline. It's getting in there and feeling the temperatures on a regular basis and getting a baseline. If you don't understand about your wheel bearings, ask your mechanic when you go in because you don't need to be a mechanic to check this wheel bearing temperature. Anyone can check it. It's a matter of establishing the baseline and then recognizing a rise in temperature from there. And Hopefully that's going to give you the indicator. On the rear of your motorcycle, you're going to have to feel the outsides of the hub and then on the inside of the hub as well, because there's that inner bearing that you want to feel for. The front is quite simple. It's got a bearing on either side. So get out there, ride your bike, monitor the temperature, develop a baseline in your head for the temperature of your wheel bearings under different conditions. Check your tires while you're out there, because it's interesting to note how hot your tires get. Check everything if you want. Check your forks, for instance. Check the chamber where the oil sits. That can heat up quite a bit as well if they're getting pounded heavily on rough roads. So the important thing is, develop the baseline and keep monitoring. Do it all the time, and you are far more in tune with your motorcycle than what you ever were before. Coming up next is my own personal secret for making the best earbuds ever. Stay with us. Okay, so what I'm going to tell you about now is making a perfect, what I consider to be a perfect set of earbuds. And yes, I'm biased, obviously, but I've tried over the past several years now many different types of headphones. Here's what I want from a headphone, first of all. I want my headphone to block out most of the ambient noise, which means the noise from the helmet that can damage your ears at highway speeds for, I think they say more than 20 minutes exposure can cause uh, permanent hearing loss. So I want to be protected from that. And then I want something that's comfortable in my ear and then i also want something that allows me to play music through so earplugs are okay but i don't want earplugs i want to listen to some music or i want to listen to something else maybe even an audiobook sometimes while i ride if i'm on a long ride so with all these requirements i tried a bunch of different headphones i've spent a small fortune on different kinds of headphones including you know one set that was a i, I forget 145 dollars or something a set of sure headphones which were really nice by the way they were really nice headphones but too expensive. Um, they blocked out too much of the ambient sound. I had trouble hearing things around me. I had trouble hearing vehicles around me. So I found them to block out too much of the ambient noise. And they failed after a, a short, relatively short period of time for the money. You think they would last 10 or 15 years, but they failed in, I forget, six months or something like that. I had one headphone cutting out. And so it got to the point that By checking all these different headphones, I went from expensive ones to really cheap ones. I'm talking $9 ones on up to these Sure headphones that I just told you about. And one thing I noticed with them is there's very little sound quality difference as you're riding the motorcycle. I mean, first of all, you're listening to MP3 music, which is highly compressed. So there's not a lot of sound there to begin with. But as you're riding along, you've got other noises and you've got the sound of the wind on your helmet, etc., there's not a lot of difference in the sound of the music, the quality of the music from that cheap headphone to the expensive headphone. So, I got thinking, why would I bother to buy expensive headphones if I'm not getting any better sound out of them? I had to find a way to make the cheap headphones work really well and I I finally discovered it. I mean, it was a real epiphany for me, but I finally discovered it. and All it took was a box of inexpensive construction-grade earplugs and a hole punch that's used for making holes in leather. They're sort of like a pair of pliers, and mine in particular has a bunch of different sizes on it. You can spin the wheel around. You've probably seen them. And you put the leather in between, you grip them like a pair of pliers. You're gripping, only it punches a hole instead for putting holes in belts and doing whatever on uh, leather work. And I use those to make the perfect set of earbuds. Now I've made a video of it because uh, some of this is something that needs to be seen if you can't quite grasp what I'm saying now. And I'll post the video on the website so you'll have a better idea of what the whole project looks like. It's a very simple project. You take one of those earplugs, those construction grade earplugs, you cut it to length. The length that you want to cut here is so that the earbud stays up tight to your ear. that doesn't get caught by your helmet as you put it on, but long enough that it actually goes into your ear cavity and expands open after you've squished it down and put the earbud into your ear. So you have to adjust this. You have to, you know, check. I start long and then cut them shorter until I find the perfect length. And they're inexpensive. So you can experiment with it and find out what works best for you. You take this construction grade earplug, turn it on its end, and puncture a hole all the way through from the small end to the big end of the plug. It doesn't have to be a huge hole either. That's what surprised me. I thought this had to be a great big specialized hole with maybe even a plastic tube inside to make the sound come through, but it doesn't at all. These work great. So you puncture a hole, make sure it's clean, push it all the way through, and I work it back and forth. Then I take the earbuds and I pop off the original earbud, which is like a little jelly cup or, you know, all the different ones they have there. Just pop that off and you leave the little plastic edge exposed. So it's like a plastic tube coming off the round part of the earbud. Then I take my construction grade earplug that I've just punctured a hole in and I stretch it carefully over top of that tube until it covers it and is in the exact same position as what the original little jelly thing is that I just pulled off. Then squish it down put it into your ear. It may take a little bit to get the hang of it at first, but it's very, very simple, very basic. You squish it down, put it into your ear and just hold it lightly with your finger there and let it expand on the inside of your ear and make sure it's comfortable. They're soft, they're cozy, they're comfortable. They help block out that ambient sound. They do a great job of everything. And the sound is transmitted through the little hole that you made in the center of it. Put your helmet on and ride. The construction grade earplug will eventually wear out. It won't want to expand as much anymore, I guess from the, even being soiled from grease or whatever on your finger. The nice thing is they're so cheap, you take it, you throw it away, and you pop on a new one. What I do is I make, you know, six or seven pairs of them, stick them in my little container and keep them on the bike with me. Anytime one gets worn out, I replace both of them at the same time. Pull them off, stretch on new ones, and I'm away to the races again. All on cheap headphones. I can use any of the headphones that have the little tube on them. So if they've got that little jelly cup on the end, that generally tells you the headphone is fine to use but start with a cheap pair and work your way up from there and i think you're going to find this is the absolute best earbuds that you've ever tried it is for me drop by the website and let us know what you think www.adventureriderradio.com and um, click on the comment button and let us know what you think of them try them out and see if you tell me you don't agree that these are the 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 best thing Hey, this is Renee Cormier, and you are listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Hey, thanks very much for listening to another episode of Adventure Rider Radio. Get out there now and ride your motorcycle. Develop a temperature baseline by touching those bearing surfaces. Keep your gear dry by throwing a couple of plastic bags on the inside. Wind them up, put an elastic band on them, and you've got stuff watertight. And go make a set of those custom earbuds, and you tell me. Am I out to lunch, or if I hit the nail on the head? Drop back next week. This is Adventure Rider Radio. I'm Jim Martin. Ride safe. Richard Dreams uh, from Trail Quests, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.